0: Okay.
1: Greetings and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate Cage cast, where we discuss each of the National Treasure's cinematic masterpieces and his life. We also try to glean whatever kernels of wisdom we can from his character that week. I am Rusty James, or Adrian.
2: I am Rusty James, or Linda, but you can call me the Cheese.
0: I'm Confused, and I'm Donnie.
1: And you're also Rusty James.
0: No, God, no. I yeah, can't recall Matt. I just keep thinking to call him Rusty Trombone.
1: <laughs> 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 it's Matt Doolin. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so this week, uh, we're still in 1983. We're in a time warp. We're trapped in 1983 because Nicolas Cage did a second feature that year Francis Ford Coppola's Rumble Fish. Rumble Fish sounds like diarrhea. <laughs> Pretty much. Although, uh, we're we're confident that at least half of- part of Cage's performance was shot before he shot Valley Girl. This one came out second, because I guess Coppola was probably hanging out in the editing room for a long time, like, I gotta get it perfect! He's just that
0: smart. That's why he should have been leading things. He's just got the brains. He's got the brains,
1: yeah. Unlike his brother, the motorcycle boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, so, uh, 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 so there's less, there's less Nicholas Cage in this one than in Valley Girl, uh, Hmm. for good or for ill, since it's mostly a Matt Dill and Mickey Rourke kind of thing. But Linda, why don't you give us some background?
2: Well, you know, uh, last week was Valentine's Day and I wanted to give Carlos something special and I was going to give him the, uh, a rusty trombone. No, I was going to give him the old (laughs) rusty James, but, uh, I had a bad case of the rumble fish. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> last time i had the rumble fish i didn't get off of the throne for a week or so
2: see what i did there
1: <laughs> i right, wish you so, didn't but yes, we do this
2: was uh in 1983 uh the director francis ford coppola the writers uh we included francis ford coppola and the writer of the book s.e hinton uh,
1: the actual se Hinton
2: the actual hooker herself yep uh, and uh who's not dead who's not dead <laughs> i i i would like to apologize to her right now uh they had a budget of uh an estimated ten million dollars and uh only grossed two million four hundred ninety four thousand four hundred and eighty in the u s
1: that's still too, too much yeah yeah <laughs> i I feel so bad for coppola in his 80s career it was so rocky
2: that it was (laughs) and uh Uh, well rusty james rusty james has said at least 50 times in this goddamn movie reminding me of that scene from being john malkovich where it's
1: malkovich malkovich or that scene from uh outlaw of gore cabot 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 oh, has returned, God. my darling! Cabot! Did you say Cabot? <laughs> <laughs> What is that, a name? So Cabot, the then. <laughs> Malkovich, Malkovich!
2: Uh, Nicholas Cage had to audition for The Outsiders and waited seven hours before finding out he didn't get the role. And uh-huh. so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, his uncle Francis Ford Coppola asked him to rehearse Stay some, some of the uh, actors for Rumblefish and he had to read Dylan and Rourke and found out the next day that he got the role of Smokey uh, to which he said quote, Smokey that was real high, really high pressure here I was, the nephew of the director without any more under my belt to speak of and that made the other actors nervous I felt this pressure to pull it off when I look back, I think it was one of the better things I've ever done. End quote. Huh. And of course,
1: he was really proud of this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's in it more than he was in as Brad's bud in Fast Times. That's I true. Mean, I mean, he's got lines and stuff. Um, yeah. I I think this is uh this is a really pioneering moment for Nicolas Cage in that I think this is the first movie he was in in which he had truly terrible hair.
2: Oh, you mean you didn't find it sexy, Rusty James?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I especially did, Rusty James.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: I vastly prefer the Valley, Gar- Valley Girl haircut to this, and even mm-hmm. the Best of Times haircut. I give him credit; he actually tried this time. He he did. It's a little awkward. You got to admit, the, just just uh, just having him around the other actors, and they all. They're they're all sort of affecting something, you know? Like they're like they're they're in they're into the roles and right. I feel like he didn't he 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 didn't quite slide in there as well as say Matt Dillon as Rusty James. You know, uh Oh,
0: I'm sure he slid right in there. <laughs>
1: <didn't know> <laughs> right to the James. top. All right, okay. so I have got a bunch of little trivia thingies about this movie whenever, whenever we're ready for them. But uh, have you got more caginess?
2: Yeah, well, uh, nothing specifically about Cage since it's so close to Valley Girl. There's no, not much new to cover here. But, um, right. of course, uh, Francis Ford was attracted to the story because of the dynamic of uh, between the two brothers, which reminded him of his with his brother August, uh, Nick's, Nick Cage's dad.
1: To whom this film is dedicated.
2: Yeah, with to my older brother August Coppola, my first and best teacher. And of course, uh, the motorcycle boy is uh, supposed to resemble Camus in appearance and in behavior.
1: Yeah, the whole outfit's based on Camus, right down to the cigarette.
2: Yeah, the dangling cigarette. And uh, while we're talking about appearances, the smoke and deuces jacket that Nick Cage wears is a replica of um, his father's when he was young because he belonged to a, a "quote unquote" social club.
0: Hmm. And
2: uh, I, I don't know. Every time I see smoking deuces, I I, I think of, of steaming <laughs> shit. So, <you> know, <laughs> I, I don't know how cool that is, really. But it's the know, sing to smoking deuces and rusty
0: trombones
2: and rusty James. <laughs> 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 and uh, Francis Alrighty. Ford says in the commentary that <laughs> that Nick was very sensitive and bashful during the party scene but oh gee personally i think it's probably because he's butt-ass naked in front of his cousin who's uh Francis Ford's son who plays Rusty James's cousin in this scene and he's butt-ass oh, naked yeah, in front of his part. uncle and he has to, and he ends up putting his dong in front of uh, some girl's face as he slides down in that scene.
1: Yeah, there's all those boobs and stuff. I, I keep forgetting about that part just because it's so out of left field. You blocked it well, out. I mean, you did it's already a plot point
0: answer all this, this you know. earlier with your points. You said that he felt a lot of pressure because of he didn't have much below his belt, and he had Yo. to pull it
1: out, so <laughs> oh, you know, I'm you. feeling a little self-conscious. I need some girl's face in front of this just so <laughs> nobody sees, okay? No. It's You'll be doing bathroom. me a favor. We'll laugh about this later.
0: I know you're not a doctor, but can you take a look at this?
2: But <laughs> <laughs> um, I play one on TV. My last point is at the time uh Nick Cage called Matt Dillon an airhead, but he took it back oh, as an adult saying Dillon. that he's a quote damn fine actor, end quote. And that he himself just had some growing up to do since then. Oh. I mean he was like eighteen, right? So Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, he was
1: precisely eighteen in this picture. Mm. This is adult cage, everybody. That's why there's adult material. <laughs>
2: and what do you
1: have for us adrian oh man i got so much stuff okay for one thing you might have noticed that early on there's not a lot of him in this movie but this movie does include chris penn the other pen. uh the other penn although the other penn I, I feel like he's always really held his own like he really stole every scene he was in he just sort of shows up it's like you know so chicken smoke you know doing the cigarette uh, thing you know showing up shot cast like carving like what might have been an epic shiv or something um so this is only Chris Penn's third film. Um and uh, immediately after this, uh he starred in Cameron Crowe and Art Lindsay's The Wildlife, which is a semi sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Fun fact there. Uh okay, we 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 covered we covered Mickey Rourke and and his character. Uh his approach to playing the part was basically to play to be an actor who's tired of playing the part.
0: So he was doing Brando.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rock was always kind of like that. He was one of those, one of those uh, big method dudes, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's just a pity that, like, he wound up in so many unfortunate roles, like the Pope of Greenwich Village, you know, or films that just tanked.
0: And becoming a boxer,
1: and and well, you know, what he did to his face is whatever. It's a personal choice, you know. It's just like you know, I I find the greater tragedy in that he wound up in like Michael Cimino's Desperate Hours.
0: I think the yeah. greatest tragedy was we didn't get a lot of Tom Waits.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we I, we got we got some Tom Waits anyway, you know. was like, watch the language, get off that. Yeah, <laughs> put some hair on your chest, Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, we had jo- uh, Diana Scarwood was in this movie. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, as 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 the junkie girl Cassandra. Um, you may remember Diana Scarwood around this time, a short before she appeared in Mommy Dearest, the infamous Mommy Dearest, as a uh, grown-up daughter Christina. Yes, with lines like. Why did you adopt me? I wanna know. <laughs> Always love Diana Scarwood. She's she's a treasure. Uh Larry Fishburne is in this movie, young Larry hey. Fishburne, uh, from who had be, previously been in Coppola's Apocalypse now. Um in which she was only 16 at the time, by the way. Um
2: Miss Diane Lane. And,
1: yep. <laughs> Uh, and Larry Fishburne, uh, uh, right before this, had actually appeared as uh, as Cutter the gang member in Death Wish 2. It's a mute performance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Death Wish 2, but the gang members just sort of do a lot of rape and murder in that one. Well,
0: that you know? is their agenda.
1: It's not like Death Wish 3, where it's all grand chaos and it's on en-, en-, en masse, like making war on a neighborhood. They just mostly make war on uh, Bronson's daughter in that one.
0: Well, to be fair, in Part 3, they were all creeps, if I recall.
1: Yeah.
2: Wait, you mean they weren't, like, freeing any animals? <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
1: no. They they didn't put the fish in the river, I'm afraid. Huh. Uh, this movie also has uh, William Smith playing the cop there, always in the sunglasses. Uh, William Smith, uh, uh, in the 60s and 70s, actually, did 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 a long stand of his career playing villains in biker movies.
2: Not to be confused with uh, uh, Smith. And,
1: Right, you know, this is William Smith. This is the one, the really grizzled-sounding one with the acne scars. Uh, He also appeared with uh, Gary Busey as the villain in Eye of the Tiger, where he also is leading a a, a villainous uh, biker gang army. And uh, he he did another thing where he's playing a guy hunting his vampire father. William Smith really gets around. Like, he's a really great character actor. Um before this Matt Dillon appeared in the movie Tex which was a Disney adaptation of SE Hinton before Coppola did his SE Hinton adaptations. And uh I, I looked up SE Hinton and uh, in addition to writing the 5 novel- novels that she wrote ever, uh, she also writes a lot of fan fiction apparently. Oh. Splash yeah. Fic. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet, yeah.
2: <laughs> Wait, is she E.L. James or... Oh, <laughs> man, <E-L-
1: laughs> the truth comes out. Yeah, you just rearrange the letters and you don't get the same name, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so Coppola uh, was uh, was was doing The Outsiders and he decided to make uh, Rumblefish his reward for doing The Outsiders. The studio wasn't on board with it, but... <laughs> like, on breaks during filming it at night, he and Hinton would write the screenplay.
2: Like a little scoop of ice cream for himself. <laughs> so I they were they were
1: both groups. shot in Tulsa. <laughs> they were both shot in Tulsa, and he just, like, moved most of the casting crew over. And, like, you had to struggle to find funding and all that. Um, all right. uh, the photography for this was by a Stephen H. Barum, who shot uh, De Palma's Mission Impossible in 96. Good moment for him. As well as The Untouchables. And he also shot, which I think is one of the ugliest and most lifeless movies ever made, Frank Rodham's The Bride with Sting and Jennifer Beals. Good call. Linda may remember that from when we watched it together on pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. You yeah. paid for that. <laughs> No, no, no. It was one of the free ones on pay-per-view, which are almost in, inevitably like something that was also riffed on Mystery Science Theater 3000 or a sharp stick in the eye.
2: And oh, he yeah. uh, did a lot of experimentation back in
1: college. Oh. You might call it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, at a screening of Rumblefish, uh, uh, Robert Evans was president. Robert Evans, who produced The Godfather and later produced The Cotton Club. Uh, and Robert Evans did not did not react well to this movie. Um he said that this movie was, quote, so far from Hollywood that it scared me. And that he did not understand it. Makes sense. Yeah, I I can't really blame him, uh, necessarily, frankly, because there's some there's some of the choices here that uh there were that don't a lot of don't choices. sit too well. I mean, it for for me for me um <clears throat> To turn it into the competent version of what it was supposed to be, it really wouldn't take too much. I mean, you might take away people calling Rusty James Rusty James at every turn.
2: What are you talking about, um, Rusty James?
1: But I can, I can live with that Rusty James because it's Essie Hinton and people expect that sort of level of like odd, odd affectation like stay gold, pony boy, and hey, mm-hmm. soda jerk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh so I why don't why don't I just uh, start us going by talking about uh what what my what my big problem was. <laughs> what was your big problem Rusty James? Okay, okay Rusty James. Uh what my my big my big problem with Brumblefish uh largely is uh so Coppola wanted a percussive soundtrack to symbolize time running out. In the movie there's all these shots of clocks and stuff like that, right? Right. And, um, and, and like he he was, he was he, like, I think he like put in a substitute track or something. And then he like brought on Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer for the police. And he's like, Hey, how, you know, how about some percussive yada yada? And he, I think it was just a consultant first. And then he's like, Oh wait, this Stuart Copeland guy knows his stuff. I'll have him do the score.
2: I think he referred to himself as an, uh, oh. arithmetist.
1: Oh, God. Oh, Lord. God. See,
2: okay, yeah, no, okay. when you, okay,
1: listen to, listen to Stuart Copeland's score to Rumblefish, then listen to Sting's solo material, and you realize, well, the problem with the police and the reason a lot of their material was less accessible, it's not, it's not staying. It's Stuart Copeland. He fucked up that band. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you, you got, you got right from the opening, you got that. Right. What the hell is that? That's not music. That's your tape player got stuck. You held down, you know, stop and play at the same time.
2: Oh, you're sounding a lot like Jackie Mason in Best of Times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, There's when you get to my voice. age, that's the best part with the silence. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, no, <laughs>
1: no, this this is a lot like my old man bitching about like modern techno and shit like that. But like, okay, so it's not unprecedented to get a pop act, you know, or a rock and roll, you know, person to do a musical score for a film. In fact, there was a lot of that was going on at the time. In 1980, Queen did the score to Mike Hodge's Flash Gordon, which we all know and love. In 1984, Toto did the score to David Lynch's Dune. And uh, for Death Wish 2 that I mentioned earlier, that score was by Jimmy Page, and it's some of the best shit he ever did. True. So, what the fuck, Stuart Copeland? What the fuck? From all of us.
0: And again, you had Tom Waits on hand. You could have asked a small favor, but no. I mean he was already cooler than that. He actually worked with Tom Waits be. before.
2: Yeah,
1: right? Yeah. Well, well, in 82 Coppola did One from the Heart and I'm pretty sure that score was by Tom Waits. I think so. And One from the Heart was also a gigantic bomb, yeah, right? Cuz he recreated was... Las Vegas on sound stages and it's amazing. It's an incredible spectacle that movie. But like it, they they got I think Vittorio Storaro like shot of it
2: the financial in for uh for what was it called Z- Zootrope, Z- 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 yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Apocalypse Now we know didn't do, did did not do super well in the box office because it was very expensive for its day. Forty million dollars was a lot of money for seventy nine, and I think uh, one from the heart had a comparable budget, was very large, Um and it's a wonderful effort. Like you can't you can't really stay mad at it just because what they're trying to do. He like Coppola was was he was always over ambitious, but like in yeah. that one, it's kind of like this actually makes sense for him to do this. Like it was, it was clearly a misstep financially, but like I, I don't mind the takeaway. I like what I got out of it. He was However, just Rubblefish, waiting for that Godfather. Yeah, well, I mean, he he admits. I saw an interview with him once where, where he was talking about how how uh, Godfather Part Three. He's like, yeah, that was completely and totally for money. I needed the yeah. money. Yeah, like you know, like because he, he he was he went into such a slump. The outsiders actually made money. Um right. and so like like it seemed like he might have been back on track, but then Rumblefish came out and it tanked. And we what we can tell why it tanked. It's like it's it's not it's not like one for the heart where it was like a grand experiment. It's it's clearly misguided. It's well, not really- even a movie, just an experience. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, there's another thing. I, well, okay. For one thing, I don't. For those of you who are never going to watch it, it's in black and white. And there's nothing wrong with that. Woody Allen made Manhattan in black and white in '79, and that's gorgeous.
2: Except for certain scenes, or yeah. Aspects.
1: So uh, the, the the there's the the Rumble Fish. There are fish in it. There there that shows like Siamese fighting fish in the in the tanks, and uh, the fish are always in color. And this was achieved very simply, by the way. There was no post processing done. They simply had black and white footage of the actors looking at the fish, and then they rear screen projected it on a fish tank, which they shot in color.
0: Which you cannot tell at all because them looking directly at the fish, though so the fish are completely the opposite direction of them is seamless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I, th- I like I like the fact that their their solution was that cute and simplistic though. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I, I I will say this, is like make your fucking movie in black and white if you're gonna make it in black and white. Don't be goddamn Spielberg.
2: Right.
1: Fucking Sin City and all this shit, well, like oh, but one thing's in color. He, it's
2: Francis cute. Coppola referred to to it as a quote art film for teenagers end quote.
1: Except he took a young adult book from 1975 and made an R rated movie out of it.
2: Yeah, which again bothered
0: the fuck out of me. It's the way they're talking. It's like nineteen fifties style gangs in nineteen no, eighties talking to but, each other.
1: What? There's a, there's a problem there though. Like that's S.E. Hinton in a nutshell. Yeah, you know what year she wrote The Outsiders? It was nineteen sixty seven. That was out of date. It was Just completely out of date. Like what the fuck was that? It's like it's you think of S.E. Hinton and the shit like occupies this weird West Side Story type universe that doesn't quite exist. It's like this whole fictional gangland.
0: I got to admit every time I started hearing the music getting just a little bit louder and tapping I sincerely thought there was going to be a musical number that would pop up at any moment.
2: Oh my god. (laughs) I think that would be better.
1: (laughs) Well, now, now, yeah, no, well, I mean, we're talking about the fact that it doesn't come off naturalistic and we know that. So like, I think more artifice is the answer. I feel like you know what? You know what the you know what the, uh, the rebuttal to 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 Rumblefish is. It's it's Walter Hills the Warriors. Exactly. Because Walter Hills the Warriors. It's like it's it's in color and it's gorgeous. The soundtrack is fucking dynamite. You got like the best synth soundtrack of any movie ever on that thing. You know, um, the characterization is natural. It's spare, you know, like, and nothing slows down the action. Nothing, nothing grinds that movie to a halt and it's still gritty and it's still violent. And, And even though it doesn't occupy the real world, you're like, holy fuck gangs, you know?
0: Yeah. It's like an actual living comic book without being Sin City type. Overly saturated black
2: and white
1: yeah, art shit. No, it, it's just it's and it's it's just like gushing all the shit in all these different directions and there's no apology in there. You know, <laughs> so there's you a weird you moment of clarity. Mm. Mickey Rourke. Yes. <laughs>
0: I think that's just what kind of bothered me. It's like watching this and it's like you can tell that Mickey Rourke is doing his best Brando and on the waterfront and Matt Dillon is doing his best Warriors impersonation before this. And it just feels so out of place like they're all trying
1: something but
0: they, they, everybody's horribly. trying
1: different stuff. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's, the... it's very oil and water. Everything about yeah. the movie is oil and water. And I don't think it, I, Rourke did it, did a wonderful job, I think, but I don't think it served him very well how they did that weird audio thing around him. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. Like, 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 like we get the explanation for being a black and white movie that he's colorblind and explains he's also partly deaf. And so they yeah. do this audio thing whenever he speaks his voice you know, it was like the only thing you hear very quiet and all the other audio right, goes down right. and it's very jarring.
2: Apparently some of the audio crew referred to it as mumblefish.
1: That, that makes, makes total sense. sense. Oh. Yeah, no.
2: <laughs> I can
1: you I know, mean, it's, it, it makes me sad because, you know, like Coppola has done so many wonderful things at so many different times, you know, like he, he's been uneven, obviously. I mean, yeah. Um, but like, I, it, it's, he had a, a fight of inspiration. It took him in entirely the wrong direction. Um, one of the one of the things I read is that uh you have all those god awful fast motion shots of like the uh, of like the Tulsa skyline and of the clouds moving. Oh yeah. And uh, apparently he was inspired by Kiana Scottsy mm-hmm. which huh. is a really dumb thing to get inspired by if you're making a goddamn teenage gang movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I I have a I have like a I have like a like a little little mini mini thesis I got on this. I don't know, obviously I have a lot to say about the it. Man, but, I almost... um, but um, like like so so he had that bit about the percussive soundtrack, and he wanted he wanted he wanted the time theme. You got the he got them by the truck with a giant clock face on it, where where uh, William Smith like like squares off against them and all that. Um, and it's like and it all and so these these awful this awful clicky soundtrack like and these these fast motion Keanu scotty sh- shots are supposed to show us the time's running down, you know. So like, but we know that Coppola is a student of film also, and he's seen a shitload of those old classic films. It's like, ever, ever hear of Fred Zinneman? How about High Noon or Day of the Jackal? Those are both movies that are about that, that, that exact thing. It's, it's, it's about time running out. It's about counting down to one specific Mm -hmm. event. And those movies use music very minimally, very sparingly. And they, they're also, they're also uh, all full of static shots. Yet they yeah. achieve it. You know what I'm saying? They like they you like you don't feel like you're just sitting there because you know something's coming. There's the feeling of foreboding. It you know, you don't have to go into fast forward to remind us the time's passing.
0: Yeah. You know? It's kind of like making an ode to films, student films. Like going back and
2: going to the shit know, I is. used to do.
1: It's a complete wrong headed, like, you know, like 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 hooking up the camcorder to the TV and filming the TV and like, look, it goes on forever. It's like a mirror. <laughs> well, he yeah. actually you know?
2: admits in the uh, commentary Because he he talks about when he was 17, he put on a student play. I I can't remember what it was. I think it was Streetcar Named Desire. And he did it in black and white, but he would switch between color and black and white. And anyway, uh, he was saying that that was really, you know, a pretentious uh, 17-year-old thing to do. And he said, maybe this one, maybe this movie is pretentious of me, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he was
1: open to the possibility that he may have been pretentious.
2: You know, I, I can't help but like him because he's so goddamn humble about everything. Well, I, I
1: don't I don't hate Coppola, even though he's made he's made some shit and pissed me off at times. Like I don't hate Coppola because, you know, he made like, the conversation, he made the nineteen ninety two Dracula, you know, yeah. which I love. I, love I mean that, like you know? There's a lot to love about Coppola. He worked with Roger Corman, you know, yeah. like he's from that crew. And and you know, and he's and I feel like on a lot of levels like he understands like what his own limitations are, you know? Cuz I I um I I got the feeling actually the second time I went through Rumblefish, um that that he wanted he he wanted to capture like some of that re- that that crazy energy that was like in a film like Taxi Driver. Oh yeah. But I think he also understands that he's 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 no Scorsese, you know, in terms of that. And I'm, and I'm not really making a judgment on value. I'm just saying like what what they do is different. Yeah. Because when uh like Godfather Part Two, right? This is the same interview I watched. Um, for Godfather Part Two, Coppola did not want to direct it. He wanted to write and produce. Yeah. And he wanted to get another guy to direct. And the studio came to him and he says, "So who do you want to direct this movie?" And he said, "Martin Scorsese." And at that time, he'd just done uh, Boxcar Bertha in Mean Streets. And the studio was like, fuck, no. My God, fuck that guy. <laughs> fucking fucking cheap-ass trash driving shit. We're not hiring that guy. Coppola's like, but he's awesome. And the studio's like, no, he's not. No. Fuck you. You directed. it. He's like, oh, fine, Jesus. Direct your movie, you piece of shit.
2: Better I feel like goddamn Oscar. one reason that this may have gone wrong in any sense is because it was a passion project for him and i find that most uh most flops yeah are passion projects that's yeah. that it, yeah. it
1: could be a kiss of death because they get too close to it like you know because uh, apocalypse now really wasn't meant to be the bloated thing that it was
2: you know oh, which God, is sort of why
1: it, it became what it was like and, and still became something good you know because coppola originally was like yeah we'll do like an outdoors kind of adventure movie you know <laughs> we'll <We're> get <getting laughs> yeah, that john like, Milius just... guy to adapt a story it'll be fine yeah you know like like they you know like it it turned into that sort of like as a comedy of errors but was still good whereas this they're like it's going to be brilliant
0: <laughs> and also just for the record Dennis Hopper was also in Apocalypse now
1: Dennis yeah no oh, oh, oh man, man God, Dennis, Hopper. Dennis
2: Hopper Dennis Hopper
1: he was, he was, he was, he was, he's always great. He's always great. And he, and, and he really steals the show here. Yeah. Uh, interesting point about Hopper, though, is that he's playing an alcoholic in this one, and that's not really acting. Yeah, I was <laughs> um, say. Cause no, his shit he was, was coming happening. to a head. His, his, his shit, his situation was coming to a head with the alcoholism right. and the drugs. Like, it, this is actually where it erupted. Um, cause this was 83. Um, it, uh, the, the movie was released in 84, but I think it was shooting during 83, later in the same year. Uh, there was a movie called, it's called Jungle Warriors. It's complete garbage, by the way. It's got Sybil Danning. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, it, so, uh, it's, it's a, a, like a bunch of models and photographers in the jungle, like, like square off against drug dealers. Like, it, it's, 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 oh, the movie's boy. complete bullshit, right? But Hopper was originally cast in it as the photographer, right? they were in south america and um, dennis hopper uh, i think i think i think it was i think it was in the dt's i think he was suffering the dt's he was in the hotel and he's starting to hallucinate monsters jesus and and <laughs> and i saw an interview with him about this and it's like for some reason it occurred to me that if i'm naked they can't kill me makes sense. you know man so uh yeah they found him 3 days later naked in the jungle <laughs> <laughs>
2: He was actually filming as King Koopa at the time. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> oh, God. Poor Dennis Hopper.
1: I uh, wish. <laughs> so, uh, no, but the worst part is, is that Dennis Hopper was fired from the movie and replaced by Marjo Gortner wow. from Star Crash and Earthquake.
0: Huh. The movie you're describing sounds exactly like Hard Ticket to Hawaii
1: almost. <laughs> Oh, he, oh, man, Andy Sidaris! Holy crap. You can't oh. say
0: anything terrible about him that hasn't been said already.
1: No, I can't. There's nothing more to add, dude. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I did see Malibu Express and that other thing he did about spies in Texas where Julie Strain wears the chain bra. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember what that was called.
2: Oh, God. Why are Wasn't we talking about that Julie... movie? <laughs> like, what the fuck's her name? Chain bra. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, chain bra.
1: Julie Strain with a the chain there broad. Wesley James.
2: Strain. Shit, I haven't thought about Julie Strain in a long time.
1: She Wasn't she she, um, uh, she married Kevin Eastman. Still
2: alive? Yeah, yeah uh, in, Apparently, man. my
1: coworker Nathan met Julie Strain and Kevin Eastman at a comic con.
2: Wasn't she in Heavy Metal too? She
1: yeah yeah because Kevin Eastman her husband was the one responsible for That's Heavy great. Metal 2000 and it's sort of a loose adaptation of his comic uh, Melting Pot which looks a lot better than that movie does. Hmm. Yeah,
2: I can't disagree with that.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna uh, rant. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Keep going. Uh, uh,
0: no, I really don't want to. Go on a rant about this. I'm just going to mention the only thing, oddly enough, that came to mind with this movie was another film that was really okay. lesser known as far as the actors involved and the director, but okay. still is just as deep. Surprisingly, is Joe versus a volcano. Oh shit! The hell there is is yeah, so Joe versus so the volcano. Symbolism in that movie and a lot more shit going on in there, but it's still one of those romantic comedies quotation marks. But yeah. still, it's so far removed from that. It's just kind of you don't know what the hell to make of it, but you still can find something enjoyable in it. But yep. still, it's like everywhere you look, there's some symbolism being repeated at all
1: points during the film.
2: With Tom Hanks yeah. playing Rusty James.
1: <laughs> but no, well, Joe versus the Volcano has, has the sort of dubious distinction by being a movie directed by a screenwriter, mm. which can go fine or it can go horribly yeah um and and joe versus the volcano does sort of display like like both ways it can go you know in that yeah. it's very it's a distinct film you'll remember it you know uh and you may only remember it because there's a weird sort of cantilever narrative thing going on with it and there's the bit with like uh with uh with meg ryan playing three different parts or something like yes that. yes yeah
2: we'll, we'll have to what? to save all the details for our hanks cast <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> Mr. Hanks, give us we a could call. do all those uh, okay. one word comedies he used to do you know like uh, big or volunteers or Philadelphia
0: <laughs> oh well, let's talk
1: about the comedy that is Philadelphia <laughs>
2: <Hey-oh>. <laughs> oh my god would we be the bosom buddies <laughs> uh, uh, I Careful, I somebody out there's taking Mr. notes. Furley. uh everybody Mr. Furley. prefers to be Mister Furley.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> so Cage had what, like three and a half scenes in uh, Rumblefish. Yeah, yeah.
2: And one of them He, he in talks in house. all of them. Matt
1: mm-hmm. Dillon's all like, uh, "So uh, you, uh, you invited me to that orgy, and it's just so you could tell my girlfriend about it and steal my girlfriend." And Cage is like, "Yeah, pretty much." Like, and I'm then cool Rusty James is all like, I guess I'm dumb. And uh, Nicholas Cage is like, yeah, yeah Rusty James, you are. you are stupid. You <laughs> are a fool.
0: <laughs> Can we also talk about the wonderful near-death vision he had and just lighting Where up he, a ghost cigarette
1: while going, uh,
0: celebrating his death? I mean, death? what do you do? He
1: floats out of his ghost self on the streets and... I swear, to, like suddenly had a Michael Jackson outfit on, yeah. and because <laughs> he's bad to Rusty James, a really cool dude, <laughs> <laughs> and his in his and yeah, he, he got his uh, girlfriend there. Uh, what's her name? Uh, weeping you know over the him. only one for me, babe, Patty. <laughs> yeah,
0: Patty, uh, uh, which was Ms. still I, creepy buddy. that
1: both her and her younger sister were pining over him. Oh.
2: Oh, you mean cuz
1: everybody Coppola? wanted Rusty James's Rusty Trombone. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: So uh, it was featuring Sophia Coppola as Denny. <laughs> I, mean, <what laughs> I like to watch. <laughs> oh shit, that was Sophia
1: Coppola in 83? Yeah. Okay, so she she aged into herself. She did look better when it came to Godfather Part 3.
2: Who's
0: a party, Sophia? a <laughs> crowd? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Can we also bring to light the efficientness of the police department? That if you steal fish, your ass is getting shot.
2: Yeah. What?
1: The yeah. Fuck, William Smith man? is going to be right the fuck on deck to blow you away. <laughs> it's like, I am. <laughs> they they, they, they all came out. Excuse. The whole town came out. Like that was Tulsa. Like like in a nutshell. Yeah but He really yeah, loved those fucking fish. Uh, they they really. Coppola was like, I don't want them to miss the uh, the tragic, dramatic conclusion. Let's let's really oversell it.
2: And I love <laughs> Nick Cage's line in there. It's something like, "What are doing?"
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cage was trolling this movie. I swear, he just showed up. It's like, hey, maybe don't go to the rubble, <laughs> pussy. You know, yeah. He's like, well, fine, I guess I will go. <laughs> you know. By the way, I stole your girlfriend. Bye. <laughs> Mr. Steele Your Girl.
2: Uh, and I put my dick in her face. Goodbye.
1: Hey, <laughs> hey uh, what about uh, what about Vincent Spano in the glasses there trying to be James Spader? <laughs>
2: oh. You
1: tell him. You tell him. Oh, right? my God. It Don't knock people far. off the sidewalk, Rusty James. <laughs>
2: But this movie needed was some Spader.
1: I swear to God, Vitamin Spader could have fixed the whole thing. Oh
2: God, yeah,
1: it could have turned it into mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> A mannequin prequel?
2: <laughs> Hell's yeah! Well,
1: That's you know, what I, think was, uh, I think it was. uh I think it was '84 when Spader starred in Tough Terp with with Sir Robert Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is an awesome movie, unlike this one. Uh.
0: I wish there was a Chud connection, but no.
1: Ah, there's always, well, actually, a uh, I, I got a Chud connection for you, actually. Um, uh, 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 so Rourke had done a couple of movies by this point, but, uh, but one of the, one of the major ones he'd done before this was Diner. And Diner launched a number of careers for good or for ill, uh, one of which was Steve Gutenberg and other yes. of which was Daniel Stern. Daniel Whoa. Stern was oh, also what? in Diner. Daniel Stern, who got to star in and rewrite the screenplay for Chud. <laughs> now we know what Chud stands for. Also Cannibalistic as My Dang. Ass. Has- Contamination Hazard Urban Disposal. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> also known as the White Bandit. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I love also, Daniel Stern. We have a connection with Chud's because uh, I-, I believe that we and all three of our listeners our <laughs> caged hearts united by a dream, making us chuds. <laughs> or
0: you could say
2: we're cage heads all as one word. Cage heads united by the national treasure, making us cunts. I mean, it, it's all to you, I guess.
1: <laughs> I, I made my chud connection back in November when I went to New York and rode the subway.
0: Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I legitimately thought you were going to say Mickey Rourke played Bud the Chud, but it still works.
1: Yeah, you know, he could have done that. He's that versatile. And if he'd done it in the 90s, he wouldn't need any makeup. That's Bye-bye.
0: true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please don't hurt us, Mr. Rourke.
0: Anyway, we really an love Oscar. and respect
1: you. Much like yeah. much like Sean Penn.
0: If you're still alive, call us. We care. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes, we care. Uh, so, how, I mean, it, 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 how do you guys feel uh, this could have been improved other than what we've already discussed uh, well
1: i mean like you know like like uh you know uh not not for the lulls, but for real reels um like you know coppola you know coppola did all his movies in the 70s he worked with guys like gordon Willis and Storaro and, and his dad carmine
2: mm-hmm.
1: couldn't couldn't he have just called him up and been like hey work on my movie
2: You know, he actually kind of talked about that in the commentary where he was saying that he he didn't feel like he could call up um, like Robert De Niro or Pacino because he he said he, he felt like he was in a naive part of his career then. And he hadn't cultivated those relationships where he could feel comfortable saying like, hey, can you help me out here? But uh, then again, for the I mean, music wise, it's his goddamn dad. So I mean, you would think he'd be okay with saying, "Hey, you want a job?"
1: Yeah, he'd already worked for him before. It's just like, dude, Carmine Coppola would have put out such a better score. Oh yeah, (laughs) my god, you know, like that synth shit from from Apocalypse Now. I just listened to that on purpose. You know, like, (laughs) like yeah, (laughs)
2: fucking
0: Matt Dillon did pretty good considering. But no, his performance wasn't the problem. No, yeah. <laughs> I still really would have it. Might be really weird, but because of the time, it kind of makes sense. Maybe even Kevin Bacon could have done something in this. Because if I oh, think yeah. at the time he was doing, uh, God, what was it? The first uh, Friday
1: the 13th, or did that already happened? That was 80. That was 80. yeah, was, yeah. 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 But you know, yeah, like. No, yeah, Kevin Bacon might have been a good choice. Maybe, maybe even for the maybe even for the cage role. That's true. I could totally believe Kevin Bacon would steal someone's girlfriend,
0: and he totally would be comfortable with "Look at my dick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Baconator. <laughs> Shows
1: up with the arrow through his neck. Oh, yeah, you got one yeah. for me.
2: <laughs> well, i I personally, of course, would rather see Madeline Kahn in the role. Uh, of Smokey uh, part I thought going to say is
1: rusty <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say I think they should have expanded the Chris Penn role like, like no joke like Chris Penn yeah. man, all the way like when he shows up at the end he's like no the motorcycle boy it's like holy fuck Chris Penn <laughs> he returns
2: and at the end he's like he, he's like the Lisa character in the room where all of a sudden he's like no no actually I guess he's more like Denny yeah. <laughs> it's like
1: you stay away from him, you bastard. It's true, everybody betrayed him.
2: <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> they stole away his sweet prince. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, um, did anybody I, else get kind of a Tyler Durden vibe? Like anybody else feel yes. like maybe like Rusty James was just imagining the motorcycle boy?
2: Yeah, and honestly, know, I wanted yeah. to talk about that so, because like the yeah. uh, William Smith never talks directly to the motorcycle boy.
1: Right. And the motorcycle boy is never looking at anybody anyway.
2: Yeah. And it seems like even their, their dad, Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper
1: is referring to him as if he isn't there.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, it's like, it's like, well, your brother, he's miscast in a play. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Another no, like the,
1: those scene, and he's always like following, kind of behind, and they got the wind machine going. I mean, the whole movie has a hallucinatory look, right? Because they always have the fog yeah. machines or the smoke machines going, right. whether it's day or night. The subtle you know? fog machine, and yeah, would, I mean, it's unsubtle, but it's you know, you know, some of those, you know, you know what's fucked up. Is that is that Coppola had all these aspirations? He was like studying like Murnau movies and all these silent films and stuff and German expressionism, and you can see some of it in the film. The trouble is, is that it gets lost in between mishmashes of Keanu Scottsy type shit. Yeah, you know, like it's it, it's inconsistent, and and he really should have just doubled down on one aesthetic, like the night scene, that night scene where they have the rumble, the the only rumble in the picture, where the where the blonde guy in the sunglasses wants to kill Rusty James. Yeah, you know, like some of that looks great. You know, like it looks, it almost looks like the iron man or some shit you know yeah. um you know and you get the bit where mickrey Rourke kills the guy with his motorcycle yes. <laughs> he launches his motorcycle at him and and there's this and then for a second there there's actually editing and there's like yeah. this montage of shots and you get the close-up of his face before the motorcycle flips over and crushes him yeah. and it looks like billy joe from Cream Day days getting killed and i was like <laughs> fuck yeah it
2: makes him flip up into the air he flips in the air and it's like <laughs> holy shit and you think
1: maybe the movie has potential and it's such a tease right
2: yeah i mean yeah. starting off that way i was like fuck yeah let's do this
1: yeah no it, it's like he hired a choreographer for that you know and they right. you got that 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 under the bridge setting and they got that platform there and it kind of looks like parts of orson wells the trial you know It's like, like, dude, like keep your silent film aesthetic, make that happen. I really seriously considered like recutting this movie with like silent film title cards and just adding the grain and cutting out the fast motion.
2: Well, going back to the Tyler Durden thought, maybe it's just that he was trying to, to set him aside as this sort of idyllic um, ethereal hero that uh, Rusty James will never, never reach.
1: I mean there's something there's something in that right you know like where he, right. like he thinks he's built his life you know to model it after after this other person you know who's who's reached heroic status not only for himself but for others you know and nothing's really the way he thinks it is and he thinks he's like this uh-huh. this this talented like gang leader but he's kind of an idiot
2: he's less of a person at that point and more of a um a, a I mean, legend, I guess just like a a, a thought, and I mean, there uh,
1: <laughs> he's that hole over there, yeah. Well,
2: but, and at the end, like nobody acknowledges, uh, uh, Rusty James walking through either. So, I mean, you might be honest. yeah, with yeah, maybe
1: maybe he, you know, followed the river to the ocean and became mythical too, you know, but. <laughs> But like there's, but that aspect of the story, like the relationship and the misconception, like that's something that that I identified with, you know. It's yeah. like like nostalgizing for times that didn't happen, you know, longing for things that you can't get, you know. Like there's there's some meat there, and it's just totally it 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 it's it it doesn't done it didn't really have anything. Yeah, no, it didn't yeah. have anything to work with, you know. Um, well, which, I feel like you know, there
2: is like a that's the real a tragedy lot to, to to build upon that it it could have been. Amazing. I see what he was trying to go for, but it just didn't quite get there. Well,
1: he got really big in his head. That's the I think that's the yeah. problem. Like like is like, like it, it and that's and I think that's that's what resulted in him not making choices. You know, yeah. like we t- like we talk about the oil and water aspects, like 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 he he had all the big ideas and didn't want to choose.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a, I'm going to make up my own version of the saying, but it's kind of like being in an insane world, an insane man is sane. It's like everyone seemed to be really trying to make an art film and giving an artsy performance, right. and Nick Cage comes out being the only one who's like actually coming out as
1: a good actor. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's probably why he's so out of place in the movie. It's like yeah, he's the only like one who's not. There's no affectation. Trying.
0: Yeah, he was trying yeah. instead of caging it up, and it actually came yeah. out really nice. It's, yeah. which is weird. It's really, it is, but it's like, really I. weird. Unlike huh. the other shit we've watched, I enjoyed this a little bit more, but it's mostly yeah. because well, I of mean, Nick like, cage. I, and his, whole, yeah, like his whole fucking Rusty trombone I, trying I, right. to give him
1: leadership. I mean, like, he does, he you. does troll, he does troll Rusty James, and tr- Rusty James did need trolling. Um, yeah. You know, well, also like this is uh, the the other things that we tackled. We did a TV pilot in two movies, right? Yeah. You know, like we're, whereas this time we're tackling a film. It's not a successful film, but it is a film. You know, as opposed to a movie, um, yeah. which I guess is why there's more to talk about as opposed to just like sex jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but although I, I it was do, in there, you know, with all that considered, I, I do believe that I I would have rather have seen Madeline Kahn, Oprah angela lansbury or lily tomlin take on his role just to hear them get all Machiavellian and say oh and i fucked your girlfriend
1: (laughs) you know if this if this movie had had been a box office success we would have a remake of it now with an all-female cast
2: and i'm for it
1: and melissa mccarthy as rusty james please no
2: (laughs) (laughs) please please no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, I'm here for it.
1: I'm... <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no. This is this is uh, this is kind of tragic too, where that uh, that Coppola went on attack of uh, of recouping his career by making uh, small, more modest films because ten million dollars isn't too huge, you no, know, no. even in 1983, and and he and he and he even fucked that up. <laughs> like it's not a three-hour epic or anything. The movie's only like ninety minutes, you know, yeah.
2: and and, and no, yet. I... I think you guys are right that he 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 did pull out a great performance in this, and, and Nick Cage, and he didn't. I think that the problem is he tries to get too artistic with his other uh, roles and he gets too uh, too method. And not to say that you know Randy was was bad in Valley Girl, I enjoyed Randy just fine. The performance but, is fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know I, I really enjoyed his performance as Smokey.
1: Yeah, and I enjoyed Chris Penn blowing smoke in his face. And that I just enjoy smoking a bandit. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> Hells that's yeah, I could have
2: done it better. Burt Reynolds, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey, you, want to rumble, you know, like I get here. a feeling when
1: I uh get older, I'm gonna <laughs> look a lot like him. When you get older, yeah, that's uh, my older brother right there, making work. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I. Sally
1: Field, so you're the only one for me. Yeah.
2: I would remake the this movie with Burt Reynolds in all of the roles. Every single <laughs> one. yeah!
1: Hal Needham's <laughs> Burt Reynolds is, Rumblefish. <laughs> oh, man. You Burt Reynolds, if, burn you burn us, if you can hear us, we still love you. <sighs> Let's just
0: dig his um, corpse out and make a weekend at Bernie's esque rumble fish.
1: In, in hey. all seriousness, I'd like to say that it really wasn't Rusty James's fault that he got no. expelled from school. I mean, what can you do when a sultry bitch just keeps appearing on the bookshelf when you're in class pulling up her skirt?
2: That's I mean, true. we've all been there, right?
1: Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> just like, hey, down there i <laughs> want you one of these textbooks that got up here i'm gonna have to reach for this one over here oh it I mean, got stuck
0: <laughs> i do remember linda you said you had been shot in the leg while you were at a petco and you were just looking at beta fish so i mean it that does happen all
2: the goddamn time yeah but uh I'll, I'll tell you what uh do you guys have any kg wisdom this week what do you what do you feel um, like we can learn well, from cage here's
1: here's one uh if Smoking. you if you contrive to plot against and steal the girlfriend of your friend just explain oh, it on. to him, and everything will be cool
2: <laughs> and i you... would say that if you know what you want then go after it but after you come up with a, a good solid plan Oh, God damn it, fine. <laughs> I'm
0: trying to give you a beat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit, oh shit. Chili's baby back ribs right now. Oh, oh, oh. It's a musical score, really.
2: <laughs> I'm a rhythmist, Mr. Yeah. Motherfucker.
1: Oh. I'm a <laughs> <rhythmic> Mississippi <rhythmist>. queen.
2: <laughs> 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 oh,
1: man, I need a comb and a bottle to blow into right now.
2: <laughs> bringing it back to the best of times.
1: <laughs>
0: so, That's the best part right there. Right there. I guess we've kind of covered this as best we can. Yeah, well, I mean... Do you
2: have any uh, knowledge that, that you want to drop?
0: Um, You yeah, dropped that bomb. Well, I... I don't have juice. any STDs, so that's good. That, uh, that's a good uh, That kind of I, I meant gleaned a, from smoking? Soy bomb? Oh. uh, Just that I think everyone was trying to be as cool as Tom Waits, but wasn't because you can't just naturally be Tom Waits. He just kind of is. Watch your language. Get down off that.
2: Yeah. I think that's the best <laughs> lesson we've had so far. Get down off that, everybody. all right well then i guess it's time to say uh please 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 listen subscribe and review to cage's kiss on itunes or apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling themselves these days soundcloud stitcher and spotify we're just starting out and we could really really use your help with this so please if you liked it subscribe if you didn't like it subscribe Subscribe anyway (laughs)
1: and like us on facebook
2: yes yes you can find us on facebook and twitter at cages kiss uh of course without the apostrophe it's c-a-g-e-s-k-i-s-s you can also visit our website at cageskiss.com uh once again without that apostrophe and you can write us at cageskiss at gmail.com
0: yeah donnie
2: uh you have any plugs uh yeah god damn it (laughs) (laughs) you can find me on
0: twitter though you really shouldn't under the handle unreal goals but please again don't i already have seven more people following me i really wish you wouldn't otherwise i am not selling anything except my kidneys please i need the money
1: Speaking of money, uh, uh, you can find me under Leo the Fox on DeviantArt.com. Commissions are open. I can do your record cover for you or your poster or whatever the hell you want to pay me for. Give me your money. And also, <laughs> I'm on YouTube under AA Smith, in which I complain about books that you haven't read.
2: Fantastic. It is. So, uh, we will be seeing you next week with Racing with the Moon with the other pen, Sean. And, yes, ooh, indeed, Rusty James. And <laughs> <laughs> please remember that, well, even the most primitive society has an innate respect for the insane.
1: Yeah, so respect this.
2: <laughs> this right. is your kiss-off, motherfucking Donnie.
0: <laughs> yes, Yes, kiss-off.
2: <laughs> we'll see you chids, chuds next week, huh? Uh,
1: Give us money. <laughs> 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 All right. I think that's a wrap. Cage,
0: cage, 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 peach. Peach. I could eat a peach for hours. Please
1: kiss me.